1: Turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 10. I'm your host, Otis Gyrie, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of author Matt Demerski, about malevolent mysteries, rancid rewards, deadly disappearances, and social survival. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories— If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trails, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. Ha 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 Ever have a friend who tells you things that are just too strange to be believed? Ever thought to yourself, no way that's true, and I can prove it? Well, how far would you go to find answers? In our first story from Matt Demersky, Sometimes that answer can be perhaps a little further than we ever want to know. Without further ado, I present to you the jungle. I drink. Not because I like alcohol, but because I recently saw the horrifying underbelly of the world. And I can't go back to blissful ignorance in any other way than through the bottom of a bottle. I can't sleep either, so... I'm writing this out to hopefully get some of the poison out of my head. It began with a picture. I'm nobody special, don't get me wrong. Just the opposite. Not a detective, not a cop, nothing like that. I was just a senior in college with an office job lined up and I only had to coast out until the end of the year. All that free time made me vulnerable to questions. The question picture that came with it, would have just flowed past my mind like every other bit of internet flotsam, if not for that peculiar state of aggravated bored I found myself in that freezing February afternoon. Two local girls had recently gone missing. That much I knew. My year-older friend worked as an intern at the City News Channel, and he told me nobody could make heads or tails of what had happened. Look, he wrote in an email. Someone at another news group sent us this. The cops found two pictures uploaded from their phones after the last time anyone saw them. They're hoping somebody can identify this guy. I remember rolling my eyes. That wasn't the first time he'd forwarded me email chains full of internet meme nonsense. It was a sucker for clickbait. The pictures were the typical scary type, taken in darkness and limited in scope such that nothing could really be discerned beyond, look at how weird this is. The first image was taken from directly behind the head of a man with short brown hair, close enough that the flash illuminated his intermittent scalp in bright white. He appeared to be somewhere dark and slightly foggy, Over his shoulder, a brandished knife could be seen, held forward for some unknown reason. The second image was of a man laying face down in a hotel bed surrounded by empty liquor bottles and scattered pills. From his disheveled and sweat-batted brown short hair and the shape of the back of his head, it looked to be the same man. Convenient that his face was hidden in both shots, I remember thinking. Behind him was a peeling hotel wall and a mirror that somebody appeared to have spit on. In the mirror, it was possible to see the man's left arm held out in such a manner that he was taking the picture himself with a cell phone. Given the context, I guess the phone belonged to one of the two missing girls. I tended not to believe things like this because they never turned out to be anything. Two girls had likely snuck off to spring break, and this was some sort of prank. Absolute worst-case scenario, this was just some drunk frat guy they'd hung out with. Let me guess, I wrote back to my friend, an expert thinks this guy was dead when he took the picture of himself. Ooh, spooky, right? He's definitely recently dead based on the way his limbs are behaving in the picture, and the discoloration and slight bloating of the skin. But that's not it. It's totally possible to put your camera on a timer to take a picture later. So they thought this was a suicide until they noticed something. Look closer, by his right hand. I enlarged the image on my monitor and realized that there was actually something in his right hand. But it couldn't be. I printed out the photo to get a better look. It was what I suspected. The exact same photo we were looking at was in the dead man's hand. An aging clock on the wall had the same hand positions in both images. He had in his hand a picture of himself dead. Apparently the same photo he would later take of himself using the camera's timer. I emailed back. What are we looking at here? Nobody knows, man. But they've crowdsourced finding the wallpaper and they figured out which hotel it was taken at. Crowdsourced? Yeah, new technique. They make some clues public and let thousands of people see them online. Eventually, someone recognizes the clue and then they've got a lead. It's a hotel in Brazil. February was almost over and spring break was nigh. I had an opportunity to do something weird and crazy and prove to my friend that clickbait was stupid. Dude, I'm gonna go there. Where? That hotel. You're not serious. Why not? I've got my passport, because my mom pestered me to do it last year. And I've got the money to fly down there because of my summer internship. If there's nothing to see, I'll just hang out on the beach and have a normal spring break. I can give you the specific hotel, but are you sure you want to do that? That's like crazy. The peculiar mix of aggravated boredom and intrigued indignation brewing in me compelled me to say yes. I'd seen so many ridiculous Internet myths in my time online that it seemed an incredible opportunity to debunk one. I'd never really left the country before, of course. But I fought down the nervousness and did my best to research everything I could. The hotel was near a popular tourist destination, so it wasn't like I was going somewhere horrible. The beaches were beautiful, if nothing else. The trip by plane was disarmingly familiar. Civilization, air conditioning, and safety shrouded me all through the flight, landing, and disembarkation. I waited for my bag while a bunch of people stood around checking their cell phones, just like home, and it didn't hit me that I'd flown to a foreign country and continent until I barged through that last glass door and smacked right into a brutal wall of humid heat. It was straight winter back home, and here it was legitimately late summer. I'd chosen my initial clothes poorly, and they immediately became sweat-soaked drapes in a taxi that had no air conditioning. As high as the prices were in the hotel gift shop, and as mass-produced and bland as they were, I bought lighter shirts and shorts and then sought refuge in my room. I sat by the wall air conditioning unit until I'd recovered. Then I looked around my room. My friend had given me the right info, the wallpaper was the same pattern from the photo, and the bed, mirror, and clock were all the right design. Did a guy really commit suicide by pills in this hotel under mysterious circumstances? The nearness of it sent a biting air-conditioned shiver down my spine. Scary images sent in email chains online were supposed to be stupid myths, not something from a specific real location. Once acclimated, I fought the churning fear in my stomach and forced myself to walk down to the lobby. I had pictures of the two girls on my phone and I was debating whether to ask the concierge about them, but I didn't have to. Their photos were already on a bulletin board by the front desk, among others. The concierge I'd been considering approaching instead approached me when he saw me studying the pictures. I remember laughing nervously. <laughs> what? Oh tourist! Yes. Well, I figured I might as well try, or else my friend would mercilessly tease me about flying all the way down there for nothing. I touched the pinned papers. These two. Ah, the older Brazilian man sighed. Very stupid, very bad. They went on a hike and never returned. The... um, He waved his hands for a moment, before seeming to settle with a sigh on a less accurate word. Jungle. It eats people here. That was something more than the gossip back home about the incident. A hike? Yes. Many trails have beautiful sights, calm and peaceful, belies the danger beneath. Do not go swimming, the currents are swift. Do not climb, the rocks are loose, and the trees untrustworthy. Do not stay after dark for the, um, He paused again and appeared to frown at having to use the same word. The jungle. It eats people. I finished for him. Is it safe to go alone during the day if I stick to the marked paths? He glared at me, but drew lines on a local map to show where the girls had said they were hiking. I don't want to put your picture up here, too, he said. But a policier did not go looking. Just gave us these papers. We do not risk our own to find foolish tourists. It's possible those two are still alive if the jungle did not find them at night. Hurt, maybe. It's sad. I gulped but put on a brave face. What was I doing? Why? I clutched the local map and adjusted my backpack as the concierge went back to his duties. I should have just gone home. I remember thinking I wanted to go home even just to the beach, but presented with a stark cold fact like that. The police didn't even look. It felt impossible to go to sit at the beach and hug a woman while two fellow American girls were possibly dying at the very same time. There were some guides for hire outside the hotel, but it felt less safe for the stranger than by myself. I couldn't stop thinking about the tales of guides tricking people into captivity and selling their organs on the black market. All I had to do was walk a few paths, right? It was stupid. I knew it was stupid. The guide saw my direction, listened to my insistence on going alone, and looked at me as if I was a dead man. When they saw I was serious, one pressed a survival knife into my hand and shook his head when I tried to pay him. I accepted the gift and put it in my backpack before heading down the long dirt road toward the tourist hiking paths. This wasn't like the small trails around hotels and campgrounds back home. The jungle here was not a mastered entity and life was swarming everywhere. Thick clouds of insects hovered together only to be scooped up by flocks of little birds, or perhaps they were bats. I wasn't sure. It was humid as hell and stuffy under the thick canopy of gloom and green, but I'd somehow stumbled my way into a mission, and I couldn't turn back without hating myself. A creek about a foot wide presented itself a few steps off the path, and I nearly went over to it to splash and cool myself down before I remembered the concierge's warnings. I took a long stick and lowered it in only to have the branch jerked out of my hands. The creek was a foot wide but impossibly deep, and the current under those placidly flowing bubbles was murderous. If the girls had fallen in here... No. Their phones had uploaded photos after they'd disappeared. Whatever had happened it had not involved instant death. Where would they have gone? For hours, I followed the path they'd indicated to the concierge, until I reached a fork in the narrow, overgrown trails. One path followed the black line he'd drawn, and the other led to what looked like a gorgeous waterfall basin. Never in my life had I experienced such a strong fatal instinct. They'd gone the less-traveled path in the hopes of taking gorgeous pictures for their online profiles. Thus, possibly, was death by Facebook.
0: Repairs to Renovations. Get started on the Angie app
1: or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Another 20 minutes of exhausting hike later, I found that the wide, round basin was accessible down a steep scree and then a long slope of crumbling, root-sprouting dirt. I ever so carefully picked my way down and then nearly stumbled over a shoe. It was a dirty, black, American sneaker, and I picked it up to examine it. Jumping back and letting out a short scream of shock, I threw it down on the ground. It had a foot in it. A foot! Holding back overwhelming revulsion, I peeled back the tongue of the sneaker to confirm it was a female foot. Oh, God, I can still remember how it smelled. I can still remember the swarming flies and budding maggots in the stump of the red flesh. Yep, they were dead. I leaned back against the root-sprouting dirt wall behind me and tried not to throw up. I'd come all the way out here to find a rotting foot. This was why the police hadn't looked. Why they'd never looked. They were right in assuming anyone that didn't come back from this horrible tangle was just plain dead. I checked my cell phone, no signal of course. I couldn't see the sun through the maze of greenery above, but my phone said it was getting late on the schedule I'd set for myself. Dusk would be coming and it was time to head back. Even though I ignored the warning about climbing, I intended to heed the one about avoiding nighttime. Every single bush and hillock out there hid something alive and I didn't want to see what might emerge in the dark then I heard her. Help! It was the faintest echo through the dense foliage, but I was dead certain it had been a hopeless female shout. I shouted back a half-dozen times, even screaming, till my throat was raw, but she didn't seem to hear me in return. Or, maybe, she was incapable of shouting again. It hit me. One rotting foot didn't mean they were both dead. They could have both been alive, for all I knew, and the foot was the result of some injury or animal attack that had left them stranded and hurt out here. If only I'd gone home 30 seconds earlier, I would never have kept looking. The waterfall above was beautiful but austere. There was no climbing up that way, which meant the girls had likely followed the resulting narrow river. If they were unable to climb back up the scree, I'd just come down, judging my footholds and handholds. I clambered along clean rock, thankful to be out of the tangle for a time. The progress wasn't hard, just precarious, and I guessed that someone could do it minus a foot if needed. Eventually, the terrain became more like a canyon with a river at the bottom, and I was forced to lift up onto dirt again. Here, I found an animal trail splitting off in three directions— A cell phone with a cracked screen lay half-buried. I brushed it off to discover that it still had some battery power and that it was not password-protected. The text messages were mostly mundane conversations from the owner to her friends. The most recent ones were variations on help and, are you getting this? Based on frustration from the lack of signal out here. There was no information there about what had happened. Then I checked the pictures on her camera. Beyond all the typical selfies and photos of the airport, the flight, and the hotel, there were a few of the jungle I'd just traversed, the waterfall basin. Then the very path I was standing on. The next picture seemed to be taken from hiding behind the leaves. The image showed a man brandishing a knife and peering into the underbrush opposite. I still couldn't see his face, but he was dressed in local wear I recognized from the shop. Had he seen the girls at the hotel and followed them out here. From the back of his head, it was the same man from the suicide picture. This was serious. I needed to be ready for a fight or to run. Suddenly, tense, I put my backpack down, hid it under a few bushes, and withdrew the survival knife the guide had given me. With the knife out and at the ready in one hand and the cell phone in the other, I swiped slowly through the photos. The next few were of the trail I was on, and I followed it step by step, retracing the path the girls had gone. The man was not in these pictures. They seemed to be photos of landmarks that might help them find the way back. Many were blurry and had been taken in haste. No doubt they'd been running. I couldn't shout anymore either, not without potentially revealing my presence to the man. Had he cut off one of the girls' feet or something? How had her foot ended up back by that waterfall? Swipe. There's the rock. Swipe. Okay, there's the bend in the path. Swipe. There's the arranged stones to mark a direction when no other landmark would suffice. A few more swipes and I was back where I started. The animal trail split off in three directions and I could hear the river out beyond the trees... So they'd come full circle by accident, realize they were lost, then what? Drop their phone here in frustration? Or had they run into the man with the knife again and gotten caught? If there were three paths out there and two looped to one another, that meant the middle one had to go elsewhere, right? I heard a noise behind me, whirled, saw nobody and nothing. I stared out into the jungle as dusk swept a dim shrub between the trees. I'd stayed too long and night was almost upon me. I had to go home. What was I going to do? Fight a knife-wielding madman in the dark? I could get the cops and bring down the cavalry. And then I heard her. Help! It came from down the middle path. Oh no. As it became harder and harder to see, I crept down that middle path. My knife held forward If there was someone out there, I'd only have a split second to strike back a run. The only advantage I had was that they had no idea I was here, and it was as hard for them to see me as it was for me to see them, as long as I only checked the phone intermittently to keep its light to a minimum. Swipe. A picture of the middle path in gloom. All right, on a night, sometime earlier this week, they'd gone this way. Had they again looped back somehow to drop this phone? I swiped ahead a few times to see multiple shots of the path I was on. I stopped at a shot of the knife-wielding man from the side. All that could be seen was a silhouette in deep forest dusk. Looking at the shot disturbed me. Was I witnessing the events leading up to someone's murder? I swiped back to the path shots and continued following their trail. When I reached the spot where the man's picture had been taken from the side, I heard something crunching out in the darkness. I froze for what felt like an eternity as dusk began to approach night. All my senses told me that something was out there. Something was waiting and watching with malicious intent, perhaps even with glee. I could feel it. An absolute darkness fell, and a change came over the humid and dense air. The birds went quiet. My ears stopped hearing their shrieking calls with a sudden internal echo. I thought I'd gone deaf for a moment, but I could still hear my own breathing. Moving step by quiet step back down the path and behind a boulder, I got out the phone to light my way and check on further pictures. Help! I turned my head suddenly to try to get a beat on the scream in the absolute silence. It sounded closer somehow. Help! This time it came from the opposite direction, a little further away. Help! That one came from right on the path ahead, exactly where I'd been about to walk before the sensation of being watched had stopped me in my tracks. It was the same scream every single time. The same intonation, the same length, the same emotion. I swallowed down panic. That girl died days ago someone or something was using her last scream to toy with me. It was insane to think so, but it was the only conclusion. Swiping all the way ahead in the pictures on her phone, I found a photo of an arm over a face. A man was wincing against the flash of the camera. Had they used the flash as a weapon to blind him? I, I held up my arm as a series of flashes erupted right in front of my face, I couldn't choose the direction. I ran. Somehow, someone or something had snuck right up in front of me and and somehow, it was impossible, but... Pushing down the trail, I ran in absolute terror until the same scream erupted a few feet ahead of me. Help! It was loud this time, painfully loud, and I sliced at empty darkness. The light from the phone showed nothing ahead, just on moving leaves and fronds. I held the knife forward with no idea what I'd even do with it, until a flash, a series of flashes, went off right behind my head. Was it behind me? I ran for my life. Down the dirt, climbing along the river canyon in the dark, leap up the scree and sprain my ankle. That's what I remember. Limp along the path I'd come down earlier that day, I'd lost my backpack and the map inside it. I thought I could remember, but the jungle transforms at night. All of the landmarks I looked for were impossible to find in darkness, and I knew something was out there hunting me. Obviously, because I'm writing this now, as I said, to get the poison out of my head, I made it out of there, but not for nearly a day. I spent that night crammed into a small rock hollow with stones piled up to block the entrance. And only enough space for my knife to stab out all night long. Help! 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 from right outside my hollow. Help! Help! Laughter and random bits of conversation mimicking what the two girls had said to each other before danger had found them. It had stalked and watched them for hours before night had fallen. A foot, and that was all that was left, a foot severed by powerful jaws. When dawn finally rolled around, my sleepless body practically dragged itself out of its own accord. I don't fully remember what happened when I returned to the hotel, but they took care of me, and I didn't tell them I found her cell phone. And you know what? It's been five days, and I'm supposed to fly back to the States tomorrow. But I happen to know I'll never make it sit in my hotel room and stew in my own nightmare. I can hear it calling from the deep of the night. It's still out there mocking me, waiting, because it knows I can't escape. All of those pictures were taken before they ever happened. All part of the horror in the jungle where time knows nothing of the strict structure of civilization. I only came out here because of that last picture. The one that hasn't come true yet. How messed up is that? So I sit here clutching the phone I printed out of that last picture. And I drink. And I take pills to try to knock myself out before it comes for me. I'm not killing myself. I just don't want to be awake when it happens. It's creeping closer now. The cruelest part of this is the clock on the wall... I know the exact moment as it ticks closer and closer, second by second. Another swig, a few more pills. It's slithering up round the bottom of the clock now, the bottom of the basin, the bottom of my heart numbing. He said it. I didn't listen. Jungle wasn't the right word, but he straight up said it. He told me directly. It eats people here. Hope you enjoyed the jungle by author Matt Demersky, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that first tale and would love to hear more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting SimplyScaryPodcast.com slash Demersky. That's D-Y-M-E-R-S-K-I. Matt's been bringing tales of the weird and mysterious to life for quite some time now. And that's not just because Ohio is the place to find it. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave Matt a kind word and let him know you heard about him here on this show and that Otis Jairi sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured authors. Pure coincidence or a self-fulfilling prophecy. Either way, I'm just glad it's only the jungle that eats you down there. Certainly safer than the continental breakfast at one of the motels in my area. Kickstarter. Ah, the old crowdfunding miracle of miracles. But not everything on there is fun and games. Some proposals are just a little bit darker than others. In our second tale from Matt Demersky, prepare yourself for a fundraiser that might prove too expensive for money to buy. Without further ado, I present to you The Pledge. I was skeptical when my online friends first linked me to the supposed evil Kickstarter that was going viral on the less-than-wholesome forums we frequented. We were an unmoderated haven for trolls, weirdos, and radicals, sure, but this Kickstarter was something else entirely. It seemed to have no publicly stated goal. The writers had only promised something awesome if the funding amount was reached. Stranger still, the rewards were all hidden except for the first level. In the Pledge One Dollar or More box, the text read, Want to get started? Throw in $1, and you'll receive access to the higher pledge tiers. Also, two things will happen. You'll have a minor intangible wish granted, and we'll send you a video of one of us kicking a random stranger. Estimated delivery tomorrow. Tomorrow. Don't these rewards usually get sent out after a full funding? but I understood what they were going for. This was a gimmick to get attention, and judging by the high number of backers listed in the box, it was working. Screw it, I thought. I'll throw in a dollar and see what happens. As I woke up the next morning, I trudged around the kitchen making coffee, then sat sipping at it at the table while uh, trying to escape the grogginess of sleep. All I wanted was a day to myself to avoid the grinding monotony of classes. At that moment, my phone dinged. Lifting it, I saw that someone had sent me an email with a video attachment. I instantly became fully awake as I realized what this was. Opening it with trepidation, I hit play and watched. Five teenagers in black hoodies and expressionless white masks ran through an alleyway together, often looking back at the camera and laughing. When they reached the street, they made a beeline for a tired businessman on a bench, and the lead kid ran right up to him and kicked him in the shin. Angry and confused, the businessman leaped up and began shouting, but the hooligans were already running away. The last few seconds of the video were a close-up of a white mask and dark, emotionless aisles as they fled the scene. Speaker said, one's for you, Jason Phillips. Thanks for your dollar pledge. It would be an understatement to say I was put off. They were actually going around kicking people in return for a dollar. I had to call the police. I picked up my phone again, moved to action by the fear that I might be liable for this. But my phone dinged again. I had a text message and an email from an official college department telling me that classes were canceled today on account of a bomb threat. I sat in silence until it hit me. I'd been wishing for a day to myself. Had these violent teenagers guessed what would be my minor wish? Had they called in a bomb threat to get me a day off? I shivered. I couldn't call the police. I couldn't be connected to this. I'd be expelled at best and jailed at worst. They might even look into my history of trolling online, then I'd really be screwed. How the hell had they gotten my name? Had I been so stupid as to use my real credit card? I flipped through the logs and confirmation emails, but no, I'd taken the proper precaution and used an anonymous cash card. How'd they gotten my information? Oh, My friends had to be in on it, of course. This was all a prank. Well, they'd gotten me good. There was probably no bomb threat at all. The text had likely been faked or spoofed somehow, smiling the whole way I went to class anyway. But it was cancelled, and cops were everywhere. Rather than going home, I stopped in at Starbucks and pulled out my laptop. Was it paranoia to avoid using my computer at home? Something about this seemed off. Checking the Kickstarter again to try to understand what was happening, I saw that I'd been given access to the $5 tier. Now that you've seen we're legit, why not up the stakes a little? Pledge 5 bucks, and we'll get you something tangible of your choice worth $500 or less. We'll also send you a video of us punching a stranger in the face. Estimated delivery tomorrow. I could actually feel my circulatory system in my torso, thanks to the stressed beats within. It was not a pleasant feeling. But pay five bucks and get something worth 500 bucks? The first thing that came to mind was that gaming console I couldn't afford. All my classmates were talking about the greatest new games, but... Well, I could only watch gameplay videos online to carry on the charade that I had them myself. In some sense, I believed that the Kickstarter videos were staged and that the end parts with the close-ups and my spoken name were edited onto the end of each file they sent out. Reassuring myself, I pledged five bucks. I drank more of my share of beer that night with my roommates, Trying to pretend like everything was fine, I forced smiles and told some jokes. One of my friends mentioned that I seemed strained, but I laughed it off and said it was just the stress of upcoming finals. The beer helped me sleep, but I awoke with a start and ran downstairs as morning light shimmered in through the windows. There was already a package on my doorstep. It was addressed to someone named Ricardo Jimenez, along with a note that read, Happy Birthday, son. I opened it, but I already knew what it was. Someone else's gaming system had been diverted to my address. As I opened the box, my phone dinged and my blood ran cold. Were they teenagers? They were thin and lanky under the black hoodies and blue jeans, but their masks hid any identifying features. Watching them run, I noticed their gait seemed odd, and I stilled myself as I as they burst out of the different alley and ran at a haggard mother pushing a baby carriage. I screamed at my phone, No! But it was useless. The lead hooligan ran straight at her and popped her in the side of the face with a punch that took a straight line. From that, I knew they were the same height as her. I absorbed that fact to counter the horrible feeling that I'd caused this to happen to some unsuspecting mother on the street. Again, a mask, filled the video view for the final sequence. Thanks for your $5 pledge, Jason Phillips. I hope you enjoy those games. The gaming system found a new home in a dumpster five blocks away from my apartment. I couldn't keep it, not after what I'd seen, and I certainly couldn't sell it without confirming intent for any police that might be chasing these guys down. On the walk back, I took a roundabout route and I eyed every car around me with suspicion. No one seemed to be taking note of my presence, but why should they? To the real world, I was just a random college senior. They had no idea what I did or said online. Classes blurred by. I could think of nothing else but the Kickstarter. I knew I'd see another pledge level if I looked again, but I feared what I'd find. Between classes... I tried to contact the friends that had linked me to it. None of them were responding. I was still half certain they were somehow in on it, but the feeling this whole thing was giving me, I just couldn't be sure anymore. My resistance lasted two days. Ostensibly, I was checking to see when the mysterious goalless Kickstarter was ending, but I couldn't help but glance down and see the $10 tier. You're in it now, friend. For your amazing support of $10, we will free you from an intangible chain that's weighing you down. We'll also send you another of those videos you love. and this one, we'll non-fiddly stab someone just for you. Estimated delivery tomorrow. Stab someone? My God! But an intangible weight weighing me down I knew immediately what they meant. My student loans. I hit the pledge button without letting myself debate further. My student loan debt was over $80,000, and it represented a lifetime of tithing servitude that I would never fully repay, not with the way the economy was going. Wine was my friend that night rather than beer. I sat watching pirated movies online until the sun came up not bearing to think about what I'd done. At the same time, I very much needed this to be real. When the student financial services offices opened, I was there. As I barged in the instant the clock hit the hour, a blonde fellow student looked up in surprise. Can I help you? Yes, I need to check my debt balance. I tried my best to look calm, but I guess my terse restraint just made me that much more suspicious. My name's Jason Phillips. Here's my student ID and papers. Sure, she said, taking my paperwork and turning to her computer. After a moment of typing, she began to recite. If this is about a payment, you can go to our... She stopped typing. Oh, looks like you have a zero balance. Barely able to keep myself from shaking in my sneakers, I clarified... No debt? It got paid off? She shook her head. No. You've never taken out a loan with us at all. You're enrolled, but the registrar's database says you've paid cash every term. From what accounts? I asked, forcing a nonchalant smile. Oh, we don't have access to that here. She gave a small laugh. I'm just here through work study. Is something wrong? I'd kill to be debt-free. My phone dinged in my pocket. Don't say that. I told her far more seriously than I intended. Don't say that. Out in the hallway, I sat and watched the video. The same five black-hooded, white-masked thugs were running through an alley. As they emerged onto the street and headed for a bald teenage girl in a shirt, that read, I stood strong, I fought hard, I won. I closed the video and put it away. I couldn't watch it. I recognized that kind of shirt from my father's own struggle with cancer. The shaking wouldn't stop, and I imagined I was bright red from the absolute chaos going on inside my chest. Oh God, I was free of debt, free of the weight of $80,000 that had racked up when my father's illness ate my college fund. I was free of the debt, and I was happy for it. I was happy. Meanwhile, some teenage girl had just survived the unthinkable and was about to get stabbed in exchange. My only consolation, as snot and tears plopped onto the floor by my sneakers, was that the pledge box had specified non-fatal. Are you all right? It was my turn to look up in surprise. It's not often that someone comes in freaked out and sad that they have no debt. The blonde girl from the front desk said, Something's the matter, isn't it? After studying my face, she sat next to me, I'm Kelly. I'm Jason, I told her, unable to look her in the eye. Why don't you tell me what's wrong, Jason? It all spilled out of me in one long, babbling wave. The Kickstarter, the pledge tears, the bomb threat, the kick, the gaming system, the punch in the face, the cancelled student loan debt. She sat and listened to all of it, wary. After I was done, she nodded once, narrowed her eyes, and said, Show me the video. That was not the reaction I'd expected. I'd been braced for disbelief or having the cops called on me. Instead, I asked, Are you sure it's... Just show it to me. She took the phone and watched without visible reaction. After I heard it say my name and thanked me for the $10 pledge, she said... Well, they stabbed her, but I think she'll live. I finally found myself able to look at her. Now that someone else knew, I wasn't so gripped by terror and self-loathing. You're not scared? I don't know enough to be scared yet. Do you have the other two videos on this phone? Yes, here. She watched the previous two with the same calculating gaze. Once they were over, she said, they always originate out of sight. Why is that? And who exactly is doing the filming? Tonight, let's get... The, he's on a bigger monitor and watch for reflections. These look like random city streets. There's no way they've got all the angles covered. And if they do, you'll know it's fake. After a sigh and a nod, I told her, I have a desktop computer at home. Two big monitors. You are a computer science major? Yeah, "'All right, here's my number. Text me your address, and I'll come by after work and classes.'" Taking my phone back with a sense of dumbfounded shame and hope, I asked, "'Why are you helping me?' "'Maybe I'm one of them,' she said with complete neutrality. "'And this is just a way of secretly getting closer to you.'" I laughed nervously, but she returned to the Student Financial Services office without taking it back or even hinting that she was joking. Something about her deadpan attitude made her seem trustworthy. Or maybe I was just desperate to have help with this. But I had no other option anyway. That night, I sent her my address, and she showed up with a laptop of her own and sat at my desk alongside of me. I loaded up the videos on my large monitors, and we began to go through them frame by frame, staring at every single blur and corner. Hackers of some sort, she guessed, Drinking from a very large fountain soda she'd bought. he would be surprised the kind of information they can get online. Oh, I'm no stranger to hacking, I replied. Feeling much better now that I had an ally. I basically live in the Internet. Career no life here. But this is a whole other level. Calling in bomb threats, redirecting mail, canceling debt, and all without any police attention that I've seen. These guys are good. She glanced up at one of the tab names in my browser bar above the video. You frequent that forum? Red-faced, I quickly closed the tab. I'm not a brony, I swear. I was just trying to get info on these guys. I believe you, she said sardonically. There was nothing in the first or second video, even going frame by frame. Could just be unlucky, she commented. Load up the third one. I glanced over at my small digital clock. Are you sure? It's two in the morning. I'm sure there's something there. Again, I had to ask, why are you helping me? She looked me straight in the eyes, which I found was rare for her. It's a mystery. Don't you want to solve it? They're hurting people. My heart was beating fast again for many reasons. This is messed up. They're halfway to their fundraising goal, and I don't even know what'll happen when they reach it. Could be some sort of terrorist attack, she mused, but that doesn't seem right. These guys have some sort of moral code lurking behind their everyday cheery shenanigans. They're giving you things, but they're also hurting people. Before we look at the third video, what's their next pledge here? I opened up the Kickstarter and stared. You've come so far in support of our grand goal. What's a few more dollars? Pledge 25 bucks, and we'll get you something tangible that will go a long way towards your happiness and freedom. Our video offering here is also pretty kick-ass, pun intended. With this tier, we'll send you a video of us kicking someone you know. Estimated delivery, tomorrow. She looked at me. The cost in violence appears to have gone down. But now it's someone I know, I said with hesitation. But what does that mean? What level of being familiar with someone means I know them? Do they mean my friends online? Classmates here? The choice is yours, she replied, still neutral. But that seems like a small price to pay for more information. A fourth video would help, along with seeing them in action again. Well, that's true. I'd been thinking that myself. Before I could second-guess the decision, I clicked the pledge button again. She gazed around my bedroom. Nothing happened. Well, yeah, it's not immediate. Then let's go over this video. We began going over through the third video, frame by frame, looking for a, any hint of editing or angles that might show something the five masked and lanky figures had missed, and I lost all feeling in my limbs for a moment as I finally saw it. Pointing, I drew Kelly's attention to a reflection on a passing car window. Five black hoodies and white masks could be seen, but there's nobody filming, she said with confusion. That's where the camera should be, right? Yeah, I half shouted. There's the pole that just passed on the left... Where's the cameraman? Where's the camera? While I got up and began to pace back and forth in a panic, she sat in her chair staring down at the desk and murmuring to herself, hacking, coding, digital alteration, buried for us to find. They want us to be scared. They didn't make a single mistake in the first two videos. Why now? They knew we'd comb through and find it. All part of the gimmick. Yeah, yeah, that has to be it. But to edit the reflection on glass on a moving car so perfectly, she continued rocking back and forth slightly. It's amazing. She snapped out of it then and looked at me. It's too late to walk through the city. I'm staying here tonight. Just like that. One confusing terror drained out of me to be replaced by another. Okay. She slept on the other side of my bed while I remained awake. I was getting increasingly fatigued, but I was far too tense to sleep for many reasons. Morning came as a gradual gray lightning, and I sat up wearily just as the sounds of a loud navy truck began emanating from outside my window. Kelly awoke and popped up instantly with no sign of exhaustion. Together we went outside to see a heavyset man operating a winch to lower a sports car onto the pavement. You, Jason Phillips? Yeah? Got some ID? I showed him. He grunted. This car's for you, kid. What'd you do, get all A's and your parents bought you a car? This one's an easy hundred thousand. Must have been some tough classes. Staring, I said nothing. He handed me the title after I signed something on a clipboard and suddenly I was the new owner of a Lamborghini. The delivery man knew nothing of interest, only that the order had come in online and cleared. I was left to sit in my new sports car while my phone dinged, every so often to remind me I had a new video. This didn't do it for me. I didn't care about a car. I wasn't really that material. Except, what else had the tears said? Something about freedom. A car meant the ability to travel. With a car, class would no longer be a 20-minute walk away. I could give rides to people, curry favor, impress girls. I looked over at Kelly, who stood watching the title and paperwork. Did this kind of thing impact her at all? Nothing seemed to faze her. But I was not nearly as stoic. The fourth video immediately began in a dark gap between two houses, and the five white-masked perpetrators ran across the street toward a house I recognized. As they broke in the door and the sounds of my mother screaming reached my ears, I watched in abject horror as the invaders broke my dad's at-home medical machines and began brutally kicking him until he was crawling on the floor. Exact grammar was important, the first tier had said that one of them would kick a random stranger. The latest tier had simply said the video would be of us kicking someone I knew. I hadn't paid close enough attention. My jaw began trembling as I watched the five run from the house laughing. Jason Phillips, thanks for your continued donations. What is it? Kelly asked. Through the open car window, I handed her the phone in silence. She watched it calmly. This is great. Great, I screamed. Did you see what they did? Yes. They entered a place they did not control, and by the color of the sky, it looks like they literally just did this. They'll have screwed up this time. They didn't give themselves a chance to edit the video. Get inside and get this on your monitor. Wiping away tears I did as instructed, and we began going over the fourth video frame by frame. It was gut-wrenching to see my father beaten so brutally after what he'd already survived and to know that I did that. It was something I could never apologize for. Kelly said, The Kickstarter's almost at its goal. Glancing at my other monitor, I saw only a sliver remaining to be filled. It was me, wasn't it? It was counting down for me. I kept finding excuses to gain things at the cost of others, and I kept finding ways to feel confused or surprised about the result to shirk responsibility. It had clearly stated what would happen in each tier. In fact, while Kelly continued studying the fourth video, my eyes strayed to the fifth and final tier. Are you ready for the change? Pledge the maximum amount and we'll reach our goal. Untold Wonders await our most devoted supporters. We'll also send you a video of us killing someone you know. Don't worry, it won't be a family member. Estimated delivery? Immediate. Untold Wonders? What could that entail? They'd already done such incredible things, but they'd all been within the realm of possibility via computers and social engineering so far. Next to me, Kelly gasped. They missed one. They missed a reflection. She grasped my arm, but I just kept staring at the pledge button. Untold wonders. They're not human. Jason, Jason, look. You have to look. My hand floated to my mouse and I moved the pointer over the pledge button. I had an idea of who would be sacrificed if not a family member. Kelly seemed like a great person, strange in some ways, very caring in others. But did I really value her as highly as whatever these untold wonders were? I didn't know her that well, but yes. Yes, I did. She was human, and she was alive, just like me. This wasn't some anonymous person on the Internet that I was slinging insults at. This was a real person and I understood now that they had always been real people behind their monitors somewhere in the world. God, I'd been a terrible person. The stress of my father's illness and the pressure on my finances and family had pushed me in a dark direction, a direction I now had to resist. I let out a sigh and released the mouse. The spell was broken. It was over. The madness was over. No more. I said with relief I can't go down that road any further it's just not right I turned and froze the ominous black maw of a gun barrel had been pointed at the back of my head and it was now directly touching the bridge of my nose Kelly she slowly withdrew the weapon and slotted it in an unseen holster still eerily calm she began to walk away what was all this I called after her from my seat, my mind racing from the adrenaline. Was this some sort of test? She paused at my door without looking back at me. She said softly, Yes, a test for admittance, and you failed. Her gaze turned slowly toward me, and now that she was no longer putting on an act, I understood that her expressionlessness... "'was that of an animated corpse. "'But I'm glad you did. "'You wouldn't like it where we're from.' "'With that, she was gone, "'and I was left quiver in my chair, "'process what had happened, "'and stare at the one reflection "'the editors had missed in the fourth video, "'the face of the cameraman. "'It was a demonic, hollow-eyed, "'maggot-infested, sneering visage. "'It was a face that would haunt my nightmares "'for the rest of my life.' It was my face, almost. I hope you enjoyed the pledge by author Matt Demersky, as performed by yours truly. You know, it's one thing for a project like that to reach its funding goal. That is, if that's the final prize. I'd hate to think how hard they'd have to try to stretch rewards. If you enjoyed the tales you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that tonight's featured author can be found by visiting our website, just visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash D-Y-M-E-R-S-K-I. If you haven't taken a chance on his writing before, not to worry. Between his Asylum series and his Portal in the Forest books and collections, there's more than enough to keep you just on the edge of of madness for quite some time. As a reminder, if you do decide to give any of this talented author's stories a read, please consider leaving them a quality review and a kind word, or a thoughtful public comment and an upvote, and be sure to let them know you heard about them here on this program and that Otis Jiry sent you. It means more than you can imagine to me, and I'm sure Matt would much appreciate it as well. Thanks again for your support of this show and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Gyre. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep. If you can. <laughs> <laughs>